everyone, it's Carol, and welcome to episode 28 of Speakerman Speaks Retail, where we navigate retail from now to next in every episode by tracking my latest retail trajectories and connecting all the crazy stuff that's happening in retail so that you can do something about it. In the last episode, we dug into what I call the trouble trifecta of retail. That is, supply chain snafus, price increases, and labor shortages. But right now, despite all three, the trend is actually looking pretty favorable. And going back to those price increases, that's despite the fact that consumer prices rose 6.2% year-over-year last month. That happens to be the biggest increase in over 30 years. The reality really is that spending is shifting, but it's not shutting down. According to a report on credit and debit card transaction data, spending at discount stores leaped by 65% in the week ending November 7th. And that was compared to the same period in 2019. That marked the biggest jump in discount spending since March, which happened to be when stimulus checks went out. Dollar stores saw the largest increase overall, but some higher-end brands are doing quite well also, thank you very much, and we're going to talk about some of those in just a minute. Categories like apparel, footwear, and home goods that really plump up the profits are also on the uptick. So what it all means is that retail is showing signs of incredible resilience, even in the worst of times. And I think that despite all these obvious headwinds we've been talking about, retail is getting a shot in the arm right now because retailers have been preparing all year for this moment on multiple fronts. The rock star retailers have already made their big bets. So today, we're going to talk about some of those big bets, the three most potent strategies, the booster shots, if you will that are going to prove to be the most potent going into the holidays and into 2022. These are ways that retailers have inoculated themselves against further disruption through power plays that they've been making all year. So let's get to them. The number one shot in the arm is that retailers have been beefing up their brand portfolios and they've been adding all kinds of bells and whistles to the ones that they already have. Back in June of last year in episode four, We talked about how the private brand palooza is cranking up in retail. That hasn't slowed down one bit. In fact, I would say that it's accelerating. Since that time, Walmart brought in a designer to oversee two of its new better brands. And we're going to talk some more about their latest insurance policy on that plan in just a minute. In the UK, John Lewis launched a new multi-category value line called Any Day that will eventually feature over 3,000 products across all kinds of categories. But what did they do in the wake of that? They opened Any Day pop-ups to promote that brand exclusively. Bed Bath & Beyond launched a value brand called Simply Essential earlier this year that includes over 1,200 home, kitchen, bath, and bedding items. It's only one of eight brands that they're going to be launching. Their own brands are going to play a major role in creating a more consistent and refreshed look for their stores. It also is making them a more attractive partner. They just hooked up with Kroger for in-store shops. So Bed Bath & Beyond is going to be able to get their brands in front of a lot more people as they open these shops in Kroger stores. So brands can check many boxes. Plenty of retailers are hard at work spiffing up their existing private brands. Target is determined to turn Good & Gather into a power grocery brand. They've added a new plant-based range recently, and they've got waves of new additions planned all the way through next year. Kroger extended its recycling program with TerraCycle, but this time it's going to include Kroger's private brands. And across the pond, Asda decided to hang on to its George brand just when rumors started to fly that Asda's new owners might sell it. Instead, Asda's bringing in a slew of new third-party brands to complement the George brand. So their strategy is to breathe new life into the George brand 
by building a brand scaffolding around it. Petco's ReadyLine has been a huge success since it relaunched in 2018 across all kinds of categories. But now they're opening a store in Soho that's going to be built entirely around that brand so that they can turn it into a power brand. But let's not leave national brands out of the equation because they're still very much in the picture and it's getting super interesting. There are traditional partnerships that you continue to see like Kohl's adding Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, and Eddie Bauer, which they're going to be promoting heavily into the holidays. But then look at Simon Properties. Now, you may know that Simon Properties teamed up with Brookfield Asset Management to buy JCPenney. Less talked about are the new brand business models that they're starting to toy with. Simon made a plug-and-play move by hooking up with authentic brands, and they created an entity that they called the Spark Group. They're buying brands out of bankruptcy and basically creating an intellectual property holding company. They own all kinds of brands across various business models, retail brands like Forever 21, Barney's, and Brooks Brothers, but also multi-model brands that are in retail and wholesale, like Lucky, Judith Lieber, Juicy Couture, and Eddie Bauer. But this is interesting on a couple of fronts. First of all, a mall developer buying brands and buying retailers. But secondly, that same mall developer hooking up with a company that essentially owns a ready-made plug-and-play brand portfolio that also includes retailers. Through this hookup, Simon and Brookfield can consolidate and streamline their brand deal structure with a known entity, Authentic Brands. So they're not going to have to negotiate and cobble together one-off brand deals. Authentic Brands gets what every licensor dreams of, a guarantee that at least some of its brands are going to find a home in retail. So no more speculation, no more going out on a limb with guarantees. So folks, that's a lot of brand activity in a relatively short amount of time, and it's only the tip of the iceberg. These deals and launches are creating new templates for how future brand deals are going to be made, acquired, and marketed. Clearly, brands are still a big arrow in retailers' quivers, and I think that's going to be a real shot in the arm for a few reasons. First of all, going back to that private brand palooza, private brands have never been more important because they're also a powerful hedge against the price increases that we've been talking about. Private brands plump up margins and they blur price comparisons. But there's a dark side to the brand story. It has a silver lining, so stick with me. But when business took that wild swing to digital in the heat of the pandemic, brands instantly became less relevant. Why? Because of Amazon. The Amazon platform is so competitive. There's so many brands operating on the Amazon platform that it's just really hard to get noticed. And that's intensified by the fact that Amazon keeps creating more and more of its own brands and crowbarring them into the platform. And on top of that, you've got these Chinese brand factories that are very active on Amazon and they're continually spitting out brands that kind of sort of seem like national brands because they have all kinds of research that goes into creating them. And then, yes, you have those mainline brands trying to get attention on the Amazon platform. And that's just a lot of brand muddle that's playing out. And that has an impact on the entire industry, of course, because Amazon is so powerful. But here's that silver lining. As shoppers return to stores, brands have a chance once again, because Amazon doesn't have any kind of multi-category brand presence in brick and mortar. I mean, it's just in grocery through Whole Foods and the sprinkling of stores that they've opened on their own. So as the lights go up on brick and mortar, brands are once again going to gain their strength and they're going to emerge as a major differentiator. But when you combine brand affinity with business model diversification, you've got a killer combination that can crush even price increases and the supply chain snafus we've been talking about. 
Look at brands like Yeti. Yeti has this killer combo of diversification and affinity baked in, and it shows in the double-digit increases that they've been driving pretty much across their entire platform. That's wholesale, owned retail, and direct-to-consumer. But Yeti also escaped that precarious world of category killing that I've talked about in previous episodes. Because instead of just sticking to coolers and attempting to ride them to the beach, Yeti quickly leveraged its brand recognition and all that fandom for the brand to diversify into logical adjacent categories. Things like drinkware and camp chairs and dog bags and travel bags, all of which are doing really well. So brand expansion is my number one pick for potency, both in terms of effectiveness and also ushering in business model innovation that's going to really impact 2022. These brand additions and refreshes, they're going to help bring back brick and mortar and make the holidays a whole lot happier. Now, the second potent strategy that's going to give retailers a shot in the arm is driving discretionary categories. We've alluded to it before, talked about it in previous episodes, but this is a really nice seeg from our brand discussion because you might have noticed that a lot of those brand building activities are centered around apparel and home and other discretionary categories that really felt the pandemic pain. And these happen to be the categories that bring in the margins for retailers. For retailers like Target and Walmart and even Kroger now with their partnership with Bed Bath & Beyond that have a total multi-category proposition, grocery drives the traffic, but it's those discretionary categories that really pull in the profits. And retailers are determined to make up for lost margin over the holidays and going into 2022. But just like in the brand space, retailers are deploying all kinds of tactics to make up for lost sales in those discretionary categories and, of course, lost margin. Some are being a lot more overt about it, like Schnucks and Meyer. These are regional grocery chains that are adding apparel to their flagship locations. But others are a little bit more covert or behind the scenes, like when Walmart invested in a fitting room technology called Zekit in the middle of the year. This is a virtual try-on and fitting room technology that's going to support Walmart's ramp up into fashion again. It's basically providing digital support as Walmart does build these brands and as it focuses on its online and social media presence and apparel. But despite ongoing predictions of their demise, department stores, which specialize in these discretionary categories, they've seen a real boost this year, at least the ones that are still around because consumers are heading back to their brick-and-mortar stores, which is where they have the strength. Macy's stock has gained 176%. Kohl's is up 53%. And Nordstrom has increased a more modest but still impressive 15%. And then you've got Dillard's, the kind of regional department store that could have easily been laid flat by the pandemic. Well, they're bouncing back with a 48% increase in quarterly sales. Granted, that's up against some low numbers from last year, but it does speak to some real momentum happening in the profit-driving categories that have suffered through the pandemic. Probably no other discretionary category has seen a bigger surge in activity and interest than beauty. Zara launched Zara Beauty, which is a massive program just in time for that mass mask removal a few months ago that would get everybody ready for their big reveal. That was well-timed, but it also gave them a runway that's going to allow them to have real momentum going into the holidays. It seems like everybody wants to be in the beauty biz these days, all the way down to dollar stores. There's good reason for that, because as the parties get started and workplaces start to fill back up, beauty becomes a pretty sure bet. Big guys like Sephora and Ulta are taking full advantage. Going back to that diversification, 
Not only are they opening their own stores and being really aggressive about it, they also are partnering with other retailers. Sephora's got a new partnership with Kohl's after skipping out of JCPenney, and Ulta has hooked up with Target. They provide a plug-and-play program for retailers that just shouldn't try to build a category like beauty on their own. Ulta's taking all that to the next level by opening experiential flagships like their one in New York that features a shoppable digital wall and dedicated space for online order pickup. But it's all good because that's going to trickle down and continue to drive awareness for the Ulta brand, and that's going to benefit their partners like Target. Beauty plays another important role in retail these days. It's where the digital rethinking of brick and mortar and online personalization are going to be incubated and fully realized. Necessity really has been the mother of invention here. As Ulta's chief operations officer said recently, they said, you're not going to see open testers or sampling programs anytime soon. And with technology getting better by the day, the obvious opportunity was for them to be on the forefront of it. Usage of Ulta's Glam Lab virtual try-on feature is on fire, and 88% of those Glam Lab users were repeat customers. So Ultra's another brand that's killing it with diversification and consumer affinity. Beauty brands are going to be on the forefront of new immersive technologies. You've got beauty brands like L'Oreal and Lancome jumping headfirst into XR or extended reality through those partnerships with startups. There's a startup called Beyond XR that's creating digital environments for these beauty brands where shoppers can walk through a virtual store, pick products from shelves, and even try them out in their homes all at ripping online speeds. The company's tech also includes live stream sales assistance and gamification elements that will reward shoppers with discount coupons, samples, and all kinds of other goodies. Even legacy direct-selling multi-marketers like Mary Kay Cosmetics are stepping into virtual reality. And this is going to give their independent beauty consultants entree into these digital opportunities that they didn't have before. But also, it's going to build bridges to new generations of customers which is critical for the longevity of the brand. So apparel, beauty, and other discretionary high-margin categories are going to be a huge focus for retailers and a huge opportunity. Apparel and beauty, they continue to emerge as standout categories, even when sales are down in other categories. So expect that to continue and watch these categories for major advancements and all kinds of new technologies. If there's any danger here, it's that these capabilities are going to become commonplace a lot sooner than anyone expected. The democratization of technology through all these third-party partnerships may have a dilutive effect overall. The pressure to differentiate and to one-up the competition is going to be so fierce, the novelty of these different groovy capabilities might wear off a lot more quickly. So cool technology alone isn't going to provide an advantage, or at least it won't for long. But that's another perfect seed for our final potent strategy. Strategy number three is retailer as investor. We've talked about my power trajectory by Builder Bridge in several episodes, including the last one, but now they're starting to blur together. Retailers are building investment banks that will allow them to buy innovative startups or to bridge capabilities through partial investments. Walmart's really setting the standard here. They made an undisclosed investment in a company called Cruise this year. That's an autonomous electric vehicle delivery company that Walmart sees as yet another last mile solution but also a nod to sustainability. Walmart's been testing autonomous delivery for a while through all kinds of different providers, but this test-then-invest trajectory is really taking off. You're going to see more of it as retailers launch trials with various partners, then right at the end of the runway, 
they decide to pull the trigger on partial investments or outright acquisitions. So a lot of the acquisitions that we see in 2022 might actually have their origins in these bridge relationships and partnerships that happened this year. In the meantime, well-positioned retailers are building funding incubators that allow them to pull in all kinds of promising technologies, then selectively invest in the ones that have the most potential. They're casting wide nets, and then they're backing it up with really big bucks. Kroger's Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation is dedicated to making funds available for sustainability upstarts that are going to help Kroger solve for food waste. And you have to believe if they're following the current trajectory, once they get it right, they're probably going to make it available to other retailers. Amazon launched a $250 million venture fund that invests in Indian startups and entrepreneurs that help small and medium-sized businesses sell online and automate and digitize their business. So Amazon's working on another incubator simultaneously that promises to train people to launch their own trucking companies. To do what else? Exclusively transport freight for Amazon. CVS Health is looking to invest $100 million in early-stage healthcare companies. Now, they've already made over 20 investments in startups, so it's not their first rodeo. But the fund is going to allow more of these acquired companies to scale innovation through CVS's platform. With over 10,000 locations and 100 million customers, that's a really big opportunity for these startups. Gap established a strategic growth office just to focus on opportunities to use technology to drive their growth. They just acquired CB4, which is a startup that uses artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics, and demand sensing to improve the customer experience and, yes, of course, to drive sales. But the CB4 deal is just one of several for Gap this year. Just like the others, they don't show any sign of slowing down. I've taken on the rise in retail solutions and services in previous episodes, and that's where a lot of these investments are going to be made, particularly in healthcare and transportation. But this marks a big shift on several fronts. First of all, established third-party providers, those that already provide technology and data solutions to retailers right now, even some of the big guys, they're going to have a lot more competition from these startups as retailers invest in them and make them more viable. These new companies are no longer in the position to beg for attention. Retailers are seeking them out and they're putting their money where their mouth is. That's also going to take some of these promising companies off the market. And that's another blow to established players that might want to build their own portfolios of startup companies. Also, plenty of these companies have such great solutions. Companies like TerraCycle on the sustainability front and a slew of last mile enablers like Instacart And that's why they've been able to work with all kinds of competing retailers with impunity. Going forward, as retailers make more direct investments in these startups, many of them are going to get locked up in exclusives, or they're going to just buy them all together and take them off the market. But that does mean more owned assets for retailers. That also means more competition for the established players. That's going to drastically change the startup scene and transform retailers' platforms. Retail is getting a shot in the arm from brand building in its many forms by doubling down on discretionary categories and furiously scaling capabilities through partial investments and owned incubators. These three potent immunity-boosting power plays will accelerate through the holiday season and well into 2022. They're going to freshen up brick and mortar. They're going to make bricks and clicks more interesting and intuitive. They're going to ignite critical categories and onboard megatons of innovation that will set the stage for a game-changing 2022. 
If you want to learn how to make the most of these and other opportunities through my platform positioning workshops, trainings, and presentations, or if you're building out content for your upcoming thought leadership events, ping me directly at carol at speakermanretail.com. And by the way, my clients are planning in-person events, particularly going into 2022. You can check out my schedule on my site under speaking at speakermanretail.com. Thank you for listening in today. I'll see you next time and happy selling.